Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Act Black Box Podcast. My name is Robbie Soto, and I'm your host, along with my co-host, same as last week, Tim Vincent. Say hi, Tim. Hey, everyone. And in the studio, we have our other co-host who wasn't able to be here last week, John Hall. John, what's going on, buddy? Hey, how's it going? Glad to be here this week. Sorry, I missed last week's first podcast ever. I know. We came up. It was literally a last-minute thing, and I looked at Tim. I was like, let's record today. And then I messaged you, and you were busy, so... No harm, no foul. You're here now, and that's what matters. And in studio here today, we have Jeremy Trammell, the director of Frozen Junior, which we're going to get into a lot today, as well as Brittany Soto, costumer extraordinaire, and the producer of Frozen Junior. Jeremy, what's going on, man? Hey, how's it going, everybody? It's going good. Jeremy, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Well, I am a director set as well as an actor you may have just seen me in heather's the musical i played one of the douchebag jocks he was naked that too um so if you came and saw the show you got to see a whole lot of me you're welcome <laughs> <laughs> i'm worth the price of admission <laughs> you're you're worth it <laughs> i've also recently been in elf the musical as buddy the elf and i can't wait to reprise that role coming up in december Winner of the Best Lead Actor at the 2021 Act Awards, Jeremy Shamel. If you missed him in that show, you missed out on a treat, but you can see it again coming up December 4th and 5th live at the Maryland Theater. Tickets are on sale now and already selling pretty well. I think they're excited to see you back, Jeremy. Oh, that's great to hear. <laughs> and then, of course, we have Brittany Soto. Brittany, how are you? Hi, good. How are you guys? Oh, you know, we're here. We're here and we're doing good. It's been a very busy week for everybody at Authentic Community Theater, and there are there are no signs of it slowing down anytime soon. Uh, but Brittany, tell our uh, listeners a little bit about yourself. So I have been working with Authentic Community Theater for six years now. I um, do a little bit of everything. So as Robbie said, I am the main costumer for ACT. And I also help run some of our children's programs, um, like our homeschool classes and um, our kids' productions, which is also some of our summer programs. We have a two-week summer intensive, um, which is what we're right in the middle of right now. Um, and I just do a little bit of everything. So. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on. We're going to get to the reason why you're here soon. But first of all, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Hopefully you enjoyed last week's episode with Jen Dickey and Brittany Atwater. Such a great episode. We got to hear from some, you know, they're just phenomenal women, phenomenal women that we're so honored to have uh, amongst our our peers and, and people that work with us. Um, but uh, um this today we're gonna get into a bunch of different topics here today. Some really fun ones I'm excited about. Um, so let's dive in. What do you guys say? Yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. So let's dive right in. So the first topic I want to talk about is one that I was talking with a friend a, a couple a couple weeks about. I thought it'd be fun to talk about. But what current movie or TV show? We can take the current out. But what movie or TV show would you just love to see? as a stage production, musical or otherwise. John, what about you? Oh, this is an easy one. All right, so for TV, and bear with me, I am a beginner. All right, I am, I'm, I'm, <laughs> yeah. For stage show, Stranger Things. Ooh, right. okay. Heavy on the drama, so you've got a lot of dialogue in there. Special effects, you know, they kind of take, sorry for if you haven't watched it, there are a couple of spoilers, take people over and everything, and you could easily do that through acting and playing two characters at once and do some crazy special effects later on with some cool sets 
you know, monster things, the demogorgons would be awesome costuming, right? Oh, man. It would, it would be a Either amazing or a nightmare. Depending on if you're making the costumes or looking at right. it. Right. Right. Stranger Things, all the way for a TV show. If you're going to do a, a movie to a stage show, you'd have to ride on the coattails of the Avengers. You know, do an Iron Man or something like that. You get flying by Foy to take Iron Man up in the air as he's flying over the audience. That would be I think that would. That's actually that'd be pretty cool to do something with the Avengers. Well, they have like Spider-Man musical, which, don't they? Which, which is um, a horrible thing. Yeah, did, but did the guy that played Spider-Man, the, the first one, did he get hurt really he got, bad? He got hurt very, yeah. very bad. Like, I, I mean, that's an insurance nightmare, but I'd do it. I'll try yeah. to rescue Mary Jane. Uh, right? She's awful. Yeah. <laughs> Like, how can you be that bad of a person that people kidnap you that often? I don't get it, but hey, more power to you. If, uh, if I were Spider-Man, I'd be like, bitch, you're on your own. I can't do this anymore. <laughs> Spider-Man, Super Mario. Like, have the same I, I just can't do it anymore. And does he ever really get the girl? Mm. Like, truly, does he ever get her? I don't know. Uh, Brittany, what about you? TV show and movie? Oh, that is hard. I feel like if I had to pick a movie, I would want it. I would want it to be something funny. I think funny shows go much better whenever it's like adaptation. So I would probably choose like The Hangover <laughs> as a musical. That would be. A I don't know. I don't really know oh what music God. we would put into it. But could you just imagine someone having to be Alan and like have a baby doll strapped to them running around on the stage? I think that would be absolutely hysterical. And I feel like. I feel like TV shows, it's hard if you have a series that's still developing. Because, um, like, I know whenever they did, they did Bring It On, the musical, that was an adaptation, but it kind of shoved all three of the Bring It On movies into one and took, like, bits and pieces from each of the storylines. Um, but I think along, kind of along the same lines, um, for Stranger Things, I think Umbrella Academy would be really cool yeah. because it has, like, flashbacks and they jump in between time frames. So I think it would be really cool aesthetically to be able to see a bunch of different scenes from different time periods in one show. Flashbacks would be fun, but sometimes yeah, I remember I was sitting at, at a table with a bunch of theater people and they were talking about Miss Saigon. Mm -hmm. And bless their hearts, they had no idea that they were flashbacks. Yeah. They were so oh. confused <laughs> <laughs> what was going on in that show and I, I had to kind of just break it down to them and explain like, oh, Oh, there were little flashes for flashbacks. Like, yeah, that's what those were. They were flashbacks. <laughs> Tim. Uh, so for a TV show, um, I would go with True Blood. I would go with True Blood for the aesthetic alone. I mean, True Blood is also just, it's iconic. It's gay. It's stupid. But like, I just, I feel like. Is it gay? It's so gay. I love True I don't think True Blood is gay. I mean, there's some gay under. And some gay overtones. And <laughs> the, the opening of the entire series of Pam. All right. Yeah. Pam. <laughs> Jason and uh, whoever Alexander Skarsgård's character was oh, making yeah. out. Like, that was deep into the season, it's though. Just, it's just free love. <laughs> yeah. It's free love. It's a free brawl. And, and but no, the, I mean, the aesthetic of it, uh, the comedy of it, the characters are already just so over the top. Like, if you put some good music under there, I mean, I think it would be fantastic. <laughs> and for a movie, I don't know. I feel like Forrest Gump. Then you came in the air. Uh -huh. Yeah. Forrest Gump as a musical would oh, just be fantastic. 
That would be great. Life is life. That has to be a name of the of the, the like one song. Yeah. That's an easy one. You have a song about all the different ways you can make shrimp. <laughs> and I mean, just like the, it's one of those shows where like you have your core main characters and they can do their own ballads. But I mean, there's just so many reasons to have an ensemble in that kind of show. There are so many moments where there are so many people in the movie. Translate that and put it directly onto stage. I mean, you could have like forty person ensemble mm-hmm. alone for a show like that, and it would be fantastic. <clears throat> Jeremy, you're up. All right, so TV show, I would definitely go with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I love that show, and yes, they did have a musical episode, but just, the same. just imagining them putting it onto with all the characters, I mean, there's love stories. Character development throughout the seasons, there's all kinds of different things that you can put into that. I feel like that would be amazing. If you were in it, who would you play? Ooh, I would want to be the man. Spike. Yeah. Right? Because I'm always the comedic role, which is fun and fine, but I never get to be the bad guy. So I'd have to be Spike. Whenever the vampires die in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, because I haven't seen it in a really long time, what what happens to them? They are they ash? Literally turned into ash. Okay. They go down to their skeleton and burn. Yeah. So that'd be a great visual. Effect. See, I think I think uh, it'd be cooler to do the death, uh, it, uh, the vampire deaths in True Blood, where we explode blood packets everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> I think that'd be um, way more fun. I like it. I like it. <laughs> like, we have each of those scenes. That's what you pay people for. Yeah. <laughs> what about a movie? Um, all right, so I'm gonna just take this a little differently because I'm a big video game nerd, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking Legend of Zelda. Oh, yes. okay. So I'm gonna forego the movie and go with video games. All right, all right. Well, I know for a TV show for sure, I'll do Big Bang Theory as as a musical. I think it would be absolutely hysterical, and I could cast it right now. Yeah. Without a problem. I think it would be so much fun. Um, and then for a movie, it's an oldie but a goodie. Um, John Q with Denzel Washington, mm-hmm. um, where he takes over the hospital, get his, get his son uh, um, a heart, uh, a new heart, because uh, his, his insurance can't, uh, can't or won't cover it. I think that would be a really fun, just, just, drama that, you know, uh, similar to something like Heather's where it's like all this, you know, this bad stuff's happening, but why is the bad stuff happening? It's for a, a good reason. You know what I mean? Like, I, I love that kind of like a, a gray area where are you voting or are you rooting for the bad guy or is this the good guy? Like what's, what's, you know, I, I love that blurred line effect. Um, no, but, and then, and then I'm going to throw a bonus out there. An, another film that I think would be a, Really fun um, would be uh, or a TV show, not film. Would be The Office. Would be another yeah, one. Yeah. I think would be, mm-hmm, would yes. be a really fun musical uh, to do. Like, can you can you imagine like uh, um, Andy Bernard and Michael Scott doing doing like a whole duet with each other? Like that would be so much fun. It has such a cult following. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I've been I've been I have been campaigning for Scott Rubel, our artistic director, who's in charge of programming here at the I Black Box Studio in downtown Hagerstown. To do uh, uh, two murder mysteries, one's The Office, and the other would be Tiger King, because I think it would. I think it would just be ridiculous and stupid, and but people, I think people would love it. Yeah, you'd have to do it soon though before it kind of faded into obscurity. 
Yes. Oh, I don't think it's going anywhere. I was at FYE the other day and they have um, tiger, like frosted flakes, that they're Tiger King themed frosted flakes. <laughs> I, I just think it'd be fun. I mean, that, and that's the thing is, is um, I feel like Broadway a, 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 in general needs it. They, they need something to, to kind of, you know, boost them up again, especially after coming out of COVID. I think they need a couple like big things that, you know, can get people back to Broadway that perhaps don't want to go back for one reason or another or can't go back. I mean, it makes sense. If you look at Broadway and good casting, a lot of them have the big name movie stars and TV stars. Hugh Jackman's doing the, the music man. Already, so it's not that far of a stretch to take those actors and just do the full on. Wasn't Sarah Burrell's coming back for Waitress too? Mm-hmm. I read. I mean, there's, there's, and they do it all the time. They, they, they bring, you know, they, they bring in a, a, a ringer or whatever you want to call them to, to increase ticket sales and, and to get more, uh, more eyes on the show. Um, you know, they got like a. Um, didn't they bring Darren Crisp was in Has Succeed in Business, I think it was, without really Has Succeed in Business without really trying. And I mean they do it all the time. Uh Todrick Hall was in Billy Flynn in Chicago. In Chicago. Like, so if they do it regularly, I think it'd be great to bring back a Steve do like a Steve Carell and, and do it all this musical. You can't bring everybody back. I mean, I think it'd be funnier than hell. Just, I I I'd pay good money to see it. You want to 100%. sell out of the theater? Bring in Ryan Reynolds to do Deadpool the musical. Book <laughs> yes. for years. I think that's the thing, and of course, it's expensive to do anything like that. But um, I think, I think with with Broadway, you know, they, they need something different. They need something new because I think bringing back the old shows that that were on Broadway pre COVID, yeah, I don't think it's going to do it. I don't think it's going to get people excited to go back. You, know, you gotta give them a reason to come back and, and put asses in the seats until they do stuff that's super exciting. I think it's gonna they're gonna see that the attendance is gonna be what they want it to be. Which begs the question, how long will each of those last? That is a good question. Yeah, I, I mean I think that's the kicker. So um, but let's get to the reason why we're here today. Frozen Junior, the authentic community theater, two week intensive program. Brittany this is a program that you run. Um, I came up with this idea three years ago, I think it was. And uh, um, so, but you've been running it for the past two years. Tell our listeners a little bit about it. What's it like? What is it? What are you guys doing? Um, and and why, why do we do this? So the two-week intensive, it is... Um is very intensive. <laughs> it's insane. Um, so we do have we have our app junior program, um, which is a junior style show, which basically just means um, if you think of like Legally Blonde, Godspell, those are full length shows. And then our partners at MTI, which is Music Theater International, they make junior versions of the adult shows. So the versions of these shows are only about an hour long. Um, it kind of cuts the storyline weirdly sometimes and um, it has different music and things like that to it. But that's what our junior actors do throughout their regular semesters in the spring and in the fall. They normally have like 12 to 14 weeks to work on a show. But in our two-week summer intensive is exactly what it sounds like. So instead of 12 to 14 weeks, they have essentially 10 days 
to um, learn and perfect their entire hour-long junior version of whatever show they're doing. So um, the first week is held at our offices on Florida Avenue. It's uh, Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. And the kids, literally, they do their auditions a couple weeks before camp. They get their scripts. They get their parts. And then it's really up to them to try to work on their stuff before they come into camp. Um, the first week of camp, they learn the entire show, music for every song, blocking for the entire show, all of their choreography numbers. Um, and then we start doing all of their costumes and set pieces that week. So it's craziness. And then, so that's actually where we just finished. We just ended week one and starting tomorrow, we are starting week two with our partners over at the Maryland Theater. So all of the kids will actually get to be on the stage all week long. Um, and week two, now that they've learned everything, it's kind of running and cleaning everything and prepping for their show. So they'll have one or two dress rehearsals, only one day of tech rehearsal with microphones and lighting. And then they do one show, which is already sold over 400 tickets. So people are excited. Uh, that, that's uh, that's insane. And, and I, I was talking to uh, Ann uh, from the Maryland Theater and, and just kind of discussing like the ticket sales and how things have been going. She, she said, we can't believe how well Frozen Junior is selling. And she says she's getting phone calls from people and they're telling them like, you realize these are, this is a kid's production. Like children are going to be playing these parts. It's not like a professional cast coming in and people are still ridiculously excited. They're like, yeah, I know. I want to see it. And, and people are excited to see the show. The show bombed on Broadway. I mean, it did not do well. It got really bad reviews from uh, from Broadway professionals. But um, I said in this week, I think it's adorable for kids. Mm -hmm. I think I think that's where it's going to make his money. Is It's not going to be touring. It's not going to be on Broadway. It's going to be with, with the junior productions. Because what little girl doesn't want to sing Let It Go? I find the song disgusting and annoying. <laughs> Um, but, Only when you hear it six hundred times. And the fact, do you know that <laughs> I saw a, a meme uh, a, a few years ago, and it was um, uh, the kill. It was called the "Kill Me Now" meme, and it was somebody put a gun to their head. But it was, uh, and then the picture underneath of it was a recorder and frozen uh, music set that came with it, like one of the old wood recorders that you get and, and like learn how to play. No, thank you. Oh yeah, I. Kill myself, right? I mean, it'd be it'd be awful. So, Jeremy, you're directing this show. It's your first time directing with ACT. What's it been like? I mean, it, it's called a two-week intensive for a reason. So, what has it been like? Have you have you been feeling with it? I mean, what are your thoughts? Um, intense. All right. I mean, <laughs> not lying. It is definitely intense. Um, you know, we started with the production team meeting and we were talking about all right this is how it's going to run this is what we're going to do and then we went into auditions and you know there were 41 kids signed up but only 48 <laughs> showed up um and are participating in the final product um and every child that is signed up is guaranteed a part like they're in the show um we had some kids that thought they could be elsa in first grade <laughs> It was a little, like, they had to break some hearts, and, you know, there can only be one main Anna and one main Elsa. So, you know, determining all that was a challenge, but fun, because it was like, all right, this is who's going to do this. This is who's going to bring this to life. Um, and getting in there, and I have a great production that I'm working with, uh, you know, the music director and the choreographer, 
we, you know, set up the schedule so that we were going in order of the show. Like they would learn the music, they would learn the dance to it, then we would put it on its feet. And it's been a process and we actually did get everything finished by Thursday of this week. Mm-hmm. And Friday was really just running and cleaning and working on putting it together to make it ready for the Maryland Days, what, seven hours of rehearsal? Nine to four, and then they get an hour lunch breaks. Yeah. Six hours a day. Yeah. Okay. It's so funny, though, because, like, so everyone who's working this year, everyone who's on the production team for the summer intensive, it's their first year doing this show with ACT um, or doing this camp with us. So I've been through it. This is my second year doing it. So I'm like, chilling, I'm relaxed, and everyone's like super prepared and have all their stuff. So I feel great. And on Tuesday, they were all, like, freaking out. And they were like, we're never going to make it. We're never going to get everything done. And then Thursday rolled around, and they were like, oh, we only have these three songs to do today. I was like, you guys are good. You're doing great. You know, I I think the cool thing about this program and and why why I I thought that it's something that we needed to do was for – for almost anything that kids are involved with, whether it's theater, sports, dance, or anything else like that, they get that kid pass, you know, where it's like, okay, you're a kid, whatever, no big deal. But this program pushes them to do things and to to really buckle down and work hard uh, to put together a full production that most people take 12 weeks and we crunch it into two. Um, and I, I don't know. I, last year's production, it, it's, it was really cool to sit back. And, and I talked to some of the kids. And the amount of accomplishment that they felt putting together a show in two weeks was my favorite thing. Is, is seeing them sit back and be like, see how much you can do. Have you, Jeremy, have you seen any of that so far? Like, Have you seen that light bulb go off yet where it's like, wow, we've gotten a lot accomplished where the kids are, are really getting it? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, for example, John, your son is in the show. Um, he is playing Kristoff, and we had to teach him how to hug the other day. Okay. Um, because he was had enough room for Jesus. And on that video will be on the podcast Instagram page because uh, Alicia, Alicia Alicia really threw a surprise in there for Jeremy. Literally, um, I was like, let's demonstrate how to hug expecting this to be a hug and she jumped up on me. Oh and it was like and poor Anna's looking at me like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I said, no, 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 no. But you know, like just seeing them grow, like, you know, explaining things like, okay, so you the kid is playing Hans, you're a douche. Like you have to learn what that is. Not the kid. Not the kid. No. You're a great guy. You are wonderful. And that's why it's hard for him to separate himself from and grow. Like, he had to learn, like, oh, yeah, I, I'm the bad guy. Like, I've got to be. But that particular part is pretty cool because the character's going. Correct. The majority of the show, he's playing this really nice, nice guy, guy over the top and authoritative, but then in one single line, the script flipped, yeah. and he shows the true colors, and he has to complete his character. That, that's huge for a young actor. Yes. Well, and, and I think uh, when Ryan McCartan was here, Ryan McCartan, who was the original J.D. and Heathers, he was also playing Prince Hans in Frozen before COVID. He, he did the part for about two weeks before the shutdown happened. He said that he feels like he's starting to get typecast as like that that again that blurred line character where when jd comes out you think he's going to be the savior like oh this is the good guy and then spoiler alert you know turns out he's running around killing everybody 
And then same thing with Prince Hans. Like, you sort of was like, oh, this is the prince. He's got to be perfect. And then, no, he's not. And uh, so, uh, you know, it's 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 a fun show, though. Like, it really is. And, and some of the things that I, I got to sit in and see this past week were really just entertaining. And the kids look like they're having fun. Oh, yeah, they definitely are. I mean, they're working hard, but they are enjoying themselves. Go just see it. I've heard the Frozen soundtrack so many times in the last three weeks because, you know, he goes and does rehearsal all day and then comes home and listens to the soundtrack on repeat over and over and over again. I will say the whole two-week notion that it's a get in there, get it done, get the show, it adds a good pressure to it. Mm -hmm. So we were on the beach. We went on vacation. And he was sitting there in his beach chair with his script running lines. Right. I love it. Because... Yeah, because they make junior shows, but they don't make shows specifically for two-week intensives. So we do about two or three junior shows a year where we take three months to do a junior script. You guys are taking the same length of a script and doing it in two weeks. Yeah. And it's insane. It is. And whenever the kids come in, we... And it's hard because some of the parents will sign their kids up. They see a two-week summer camp and they're like, yes, it's two weeks. It's right at the end of summer. There's nothing else that really has camps until school gets started. So we get a lot of variety in the interest level from the students that are signed up for it. Um, and we, we try to be as real as possible with them. Like, I need you to understand this is going to require you to do work. <laughs> this is this is going to be a lot of fun. You're going to do a lot of cool things with it. Um, but you have to work at home. And they have, they have homework every night. Um, and they're funny about it because they're <laughs> on Wednesday. We were so busy. Or, yeah, it was Wednesday. We were so busy doing stuff. Um, with like tech week and Heather's going on and everything that we all forgot to put their homework in there. And then on Thursday, they all came in and they were like, Miss Brittany, our homework was not on the Google Drive last night. And I was like, did you practice anyway? And they were like, well, yeah. It's like, okay. And, and, and Megan, uh, Megan Kylie, who's the choreographer of the show, I came in one morning. Uh, it was the morning that we were doing load in. Uh, so Wednesday. Wednesday yeah. Yeah. Um, she was like, she walked up to me. She said, I know exactly who's doing their homework. I was like, oh, really? Like, you guys have been sorry. She was like, yeah, at the end of the video, I told them what my favorite color was and said they need to come in and tell me what their favorite color was at the end of the video. And she was like, so I know exactly who's been doing their homework. I'm like, that's damn genius. <laughs> but of course, it's, this is dealing with kids. You know, kids uh, aren't, let's, let's be real, kids aren't always the most responsible. They want to go home and play video games and hang out with their friends and TikTok and, and all those things. So uh, how do you think they're, they're doing balancing? You know, because obviously we're not trying to build soldiers here. We're trying for, you know, we want kids to have a good time and put on a great production, but there's got to be that balance there. So, so how do you guys handle that balance when it comes to, Okay, you have the homework to do. Do you handle it, uh, Jeremy? You're, you're a school teacher for in, in your full time job. So, I mean, do do you handle it as as you do just as a regular teacher? Where, or I don't want to say regular teacher, but as a teacher, where, uh, <laughs> as just one of those regular ones. No, but as a teacher, where you're like, you know, here's here's some homework to take you about maybe an hour, and then you have the rest of your day. Or, or how do you handle it? Um, well, with the homework, I love how Brittany always puts it. She's like, okay, go home and rest for an hour. Then you got homework to do, and then rest a little bit more, and then pick it back up and do it. So it's like we specify like this is not to take you all evening. This is to refresh yourself and get yourself ready for the next day because we're coming in strong. Like, 
Now John's going to go home and hit his son for listening to Frozen on repeat all night long. Oh, I hate my dreams. John's streaming in studio. Let it go! Now, what? So, so Frozen has sold over 400 tickets at the Maryland Theater. And, and by the way, I, I'll say this: what an opportunity for these kids to get to step on that stage. I mean, truly, when you think about it, for for almost 30 years, there was no community theater productions at the Maryland Theater. It was not allowed until that opportunity came to to authentic community theater and the negotiations. And and essentially, the promise that we're going to give you Broadway caliber shows. Here in your venue, um, but now, as of a couple years ago, the kids are getting to perform on that stage. The same stage as some of the greatest performers of all time that hit that stage. I mean, do you see that when they get to the Maryland Theater, which they'll get there tomorrow for the first time? Do you see that excitement in their eyes? Do you see that, or, or are they kind of oblivious? <laughs> Jeremy's looking at me because this is his first time. Um, no, so we actually, we run one other summer camp out of the Maryland Theater every year. Um, it's called Performing Arts Academy, and it ends in like a variety show, and it's a one-week production. So when the Maryland Theater approached us and they asked us to come up with something for a second summer camp, um, and we kind of put all of that together and we're trying to figure out the logistics of it, um, it's definitely it's definitely eye-opening for them to go from their small rehearsal space at ACT where the ceilings are 10 feet high to the I mean, it's 2,000 square feet it's not that yeah, small no, no but comparatively speaking to the auditorium at the Maryland Theater whenever they walk into camp they actually come in through the stage door so they're like it's not even like an ease in they're like smacked in the face with oh my gosh I'm on this stage and look at all those chairs so for some of them who have done camps with us or who have done productions with us before um, they're always excited to be there because that's the big stage and it's fun for them um, for the new kids I know it's a little intimidating um, because they look at it and they're like, oh no, all those chairs, there's all those people. And we have to remind them like, when the lights are on, I promise you'll be fine. Well, it's, it's um, funny you bring that up too, because I was I was told that I need to start rethinking my pre-Maryland Theater show speech about, because I always tell our cast like, listen, you're on the same stage as The Temptations, The Four Tops, Willie Nelson, Steven Seagal. And, and anybody, Ron White. Ron White. I mean, so <laughs> I mean, those are just random ones that that I'm that I'm throwing out there. Louis C.K. has been there. Nicholas Cage uh, in the wing. George Carlin. I mean, there, there's been so many incredible performers that we've all watched and looked up to that are performing on the same stage as we are. And I've been told that it gives them anxiety, almost like, oh my god, like I don't how how can that happen? Brittany, think back to the first time they got onto that stage. To do a full production outside the summer camps or, or at Junior Kids specifically. So the first time they got to do it, right after Beauty and the Beast. What was after Beauty and the Beast? Actually, it was before. So they was got it? to do Willy Wonka. That's right. So, so, Willy Wonka was, Wonderland. so Willy Wonka being the first one, or whichever one was the first one. Can you think back? Do you remember? I mean, was there excitement in the air? Was there nerves? Was there, I mean, what was it? I think it's, I mean, it's always excitement. I think anytime our kids get to do 
what our community theater gets to do, they're excited about it because that means that they're they're to a point where they get to be on the big stage and do stuff. Prior to I'm a big kid now. Right. So prior to prior to our contracts and our like partnership with the Maryland Theater, the junior program actually used to travel between schools and between um, different theater locations and hotels and things like that. It was so awful. It was. It was so awful <laughs> um, because it was the same process. They would rehearse with us for the entire 12 weeks and then they would just get to go to that new place for their tech week. And it wasn't always the best in like production value because we never really knew what we were going to get whenever we got there. Um, and that was, that was probably what, six, five, six years ago. Um, thank you schools for letting us use your business. Yes, absolutely. Um, nah. <laughs> I'm like, no, I mean, we, we definitely, we had a couple of homes that we really loved. It was, um, like the, I don't remember what it's called. Antietam theater downtown. Antietam. Which one is it? The Academy. Academy theater. Yes. We were there for a little while. That was rough. And then we went through a couple of schools like South High, um, Western, not Western Heights, uh, Northern Middle. Um, so definitely schools that have like stages and lights and things like that. It's just hard. Um, so whenever you get to tell them like this is your home and this is the like biggest stage in, in Maryland in the area, like other than like the Hippodrome and things like that, like it's one of it's the one of the it's one of the biggest. It, it's a world renowned stage. Yeah, I mean it truly is. And we give we give the kids the same kind of speech like all these famous people have performed here and you're lucky enough to get to do it too. I think it spikes them out a little bit, but I also think it makes them excited because they get to do. Like well, and I, I was going to ask, I was going to ask you, Jeremy, I mean, you performed, you've been, you've performed all over the place in this area. You've been a big part of, of several theaters companies in the area. And when you came and did your first show with act, first of all, was getting to perform on the Maryland theater stage, kind of something that pulled you in and made you excited for it to come on. Did you? It was a dream come true. Getting to perform on that stage. And granted, it was during COVID, so we could only have 100 people there every night. But we've did seven shows in three days, I'd like to reiterate. <laughs> <laughs> Hence why he said his acceptance speech that he deserved that award. <laughs> <laughs> I'm maybe a little cocky or something. Um, but yes, like, that was not actually something that really made me come audition, though. Like, it wasn't the thought of that. It was more, I want to go work with this. Because of all the different things that I've heard about you guys. Now, whenever whenever you got to step on that stage for the first time, whether it was as Buddy or even just walking into the building, I mean, what what was it like for you to 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 look out and see that? It was slightly intimidating, but it was also something that like, oh my gosh, I'm getting to do this. Hmm. I get the privilege of being up on this stage. And performing for people, yeah. for them entertainment. Like it's you know, it's not all about me. I want to make them leave happy. And, and I mean, I can remember uh, you know the first time I performed on stage actually wasn't with Act. I actually had a company that we did um, an original show that I wrote, um, and we performed it on that stage. Um, you know, it it was. I remember being terrified. Uh, I was I was absolutely terrified to step on there and be like, oh my god! Like, it's looking out and seeing just that ocean of seats. It's not like you know when you work at a smaller theater that seats you know 50, 60, 70 people. You know that never gave me nerves really. 
I mean, you have those pre-show butterflies just like anything else, but none of, no other stage I've ever been on has made me like actually like, oh my God, what the hell is going on? Like, how am I here? Um, but when I stepped on that stage, exactly how I felt, I was like, how is this possible? This is this is incredible. And then I remember um, the first time we went on for Wizard of Oz was the first show. I remember crying as I stood there on the stage doing money check, just going, wow. I knew how many tickets we had sold. There was like seven, 800 people that were going to be there that night. I mean, it was an incredible feeling. There was no other feeling like seeing, looking out and seeing that many people. It's, it, it's, it's mind boggling. Tim, what about you? What, what was it like the first time you jumped up on that stage? Uh, I mean, the first time I jumped up on that stage was insane because uh, Scott had the periactoids. So we had the, the giant triangles that had three sides. And so it was kind of like a maze back there. But like, I mean, I was like 18. I was my, it was my senior year of high school. And it was the first show that I'd done with you guys. It was for Hairspray. And I didn't really get an opportunity to like actually look at everything, look at the theater, look at the stage. Uh, it really, I mean, but it was like, so I was, it was a lot of like shock. It wasn't until I did Greece and like actually had like a solo actually like was the one who was going out and everyone was looking at me that I was like, this is the most people I've ever performed for in my entire life. And they are all watching me sing a song, not watching me watch somebody sing a song. It was amazing. And whether I'm going in there to take photos or going in there to perform, I'm never desensitized by it. I always try to take time to like look at the details of the building, look at the ceiling. Like if you're in there, just look up. You know? It's it is it's, it's it's absolutely gorgeous. It is it's gorgeous. But yeah, I mean I, I'm never desensitized by it. It's one of the most beautiful places I've ever performed. It's yeah. definitely the biggest stage I've ever performed. Yeah. So that part is intimidating. I wouldn't give it up. <laughs> well, you know, the John, you haven't had a chance to jump up on stage with us yet. No, I haven't. I, I do have a, a funny story about a big audience, though. Okay. I, uh, yeah, back in uh, back in the late nineties, I had the opportunity to sing the national anthem at Cannon Yards. Oh wow! And walked out there on the field. It was a small group. There was eleven of us. Um, but walked out, and it was uh, me and this other guy. The first half of the song as a duet, and everybody joined us. And we're singing, we're singing, and the place is packed. I don't remember who we played against, but it was thousands of people. You know, you're sitting there sweating because you're a teenager singing for thousands of people. And we get to that part at the Orioles game where, during the National Anthem where you say, Oh, say, does that mean uh, no, Oh, right. Weirdos. Well, I didn't know they did that. You know, <laughs> oh, I wasn't a big baseball guy growing up, and at that moment, it zoomed in on me on the jumbotron, <laughs> and so there's my face on the jumbotron, taking the whole thing, and the entire crowd goes, "Oh!" and I jump and look like I just got goosed or something, and you know, <laughs> we kept on going with it. But uh, you know, in front of thousands of people, I, I kind of lost my. Please tell me you have it. Do you have it? Thankfully, it was the '90s, so no. No, there is. I totally because that would have been on the Axe website tonight. To hell with my break! I'm putting that online. Yes. Nope. 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 Oh man, that that's so. I mean, I think the biggest thing with you 
doing the show, Frozen Jr. Again, if you want to see the show, it's this Saturday, 2 p.m., right? 2 p.m., live at the Maryland Theater. Tickets on sale at themarylandtheater.com. Uh, you can click on Performance and Events and go and check out that uh, Check out the ticket link there, um, and then we'll take a look, uh, or you can take a look and see what uh, what our kids are able to do again in just two weeks. Again, no excuses, no 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 crutches. We the, these kids get in, get out there, put a show on in two weeks, and it's incredible what they can actually do when you take that crutch away. But we're gonna take a short break, real quick here. But we'll be right back with a, a preview, or not a preview, but a review of Heather's the Musical, which happened this weekend. If you missed it, you missed a big one. Uh, and as well as we're gonna talk to our guests about a couple other things. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. And ladies and gentlemen, we are back with the Act Black Box podcast. Thank you all so much for tuning in. We are very excited because joining us in the room is Jeffrey Kleist, the man, the myth, the legend. Jeff, how are you? I'm well. Thank you so much for joining us. He came with Jeremy and went and read uh, in the other room for a little bit. And we said, you're getting your ass in here. Jeff, uh, thank you so much. So this past weekend, uh, Jeff and Jeremy were both in the incredibly talented cast of Heather's the Musical that was live August 6th and 7th at the Maryland Theater. So we just want to talk about a little bit, kind of decompress, have some fun. So, so guys, what was it like, Jeff, to you first? We've heard from Jeremy already today, but what was it like being a part of that cast and the first show that you've done with Authentic Community Theater since 2014? Was it really 2014? That's when Annie was, yeah. So Um, seven years. Much different experience. I had not auditioned for the show. I had no plans to be in it. Scott uh, emailed me the day of auditions and asked for my email address. And and the cast list came out, and there I was. (laughs) (laughs) And it was, I was like, oh, great. Um, But I, it was... I said this on his Facebook page that it was everything I didn't know I needed. Um, it was an amazing group of people um, and an amazingly talented group of people. And I was extremely honored to be on stage with them. And I freely admit that on Friday in front of that audience, when I walked out on that stage and stood in my first position, uh, the tears were streaming because I haven't been on stage since uh, 2019, December of 2019. And it was an amazing experience. And to be doing that show with this group of people was just, uh, just fantastic. Now, now, Jeremy, what what about you? I mean, it's it's you had done a show with us. You, you were Buddy and, and, and Elf, of course. And But what was it like for you to do this show? Because you did audition. Is that correct? Yes. So, I, I mean, what, what was it for you? Uh, or what was it like for you? Uh, was it everything you wanted to be? Was it more than you wanted to be? Less than you wanted to be? Give us the tea. Well, in all honesty, I auditioned for JD um, and assumed that I would get cast as one of the dads because, you know, I'm old. Um, 51, ladies and gentlemen. I am not 51. I'm 41, but I just got to play a 17-year-old on stage, so obviously I look good for my age. Um, I'll, I'll be honest, it didn't look bad. No, it didn't. I, I like, like, truthfully, like every once in a while, you get those where it's like you have somebody who's much older playing, much older, in Jeremy said. <laughs> <laughs> 
but much older than, than, than the character that they're portraying on stage, especially because you were surrounded by people in their twenties. Right. Um, so, but it didn't look bad. I was, I was not offended by it. I wasn't like, what the hell is this old guy doing up there with these kids at all? So, but I mean, what, what was it like being a 17 year old? It was amazing being with all those talented individuals. Like this show has definitely set the caliber high for all the community theaters, future productions. Like you have to beat Heather's. Good luck. Party is that Scott Rubel is the director of the next what? How many shows in a row? You got the next two. So I mean, and he directed Heather. So how's he going to beat that? And it's going to be interesting to see how he does that. I think he's going to pull a little rabbit out of his hat with Sweeney Todd. Oh, um, yeah. I think I, I've heard some things and some, some talks that, that he's had. And um, I think he's, I think uh, uh, he'll, he'll do just fine. Scott's very talented. But, but Jeff, I wanted to ask you a specific question, specifically about Friday night. Um, so you played, I, I always get it mixed up, but it was Kurt's dad? Ram's dad. Damn it. All the time I get it mixed up. I'm sorry. Um, but you played Ram's dad. Um, who is uh, uh, the lead on on the song "Dead Gay Son"? Um, and when, uh, for those of you who don't know the show, um, JD kills Kurt and Ram, and then leaves a suicide note talking about how they were gay for each other. Um, which, whether it's true or not, I don't think it's ever really talked about in the script at all. But you take it for what it is. But at the one point before when the music starts, your first line is they were not dirty and the audience erupted. I don't think there's any other word for it other than erupted when you said that. It had actually started right prior to that because my line before that was it's evil, hateful, death talk like yours that makes this world a place our voice couldn't live in. Right. And look at that we remembering. I know. Yeah. <laughs> and it's recorded too, so everybody knows. Yes. Yeah. Um, but they, uh, that's when it started. So, um, yes, I was gratified for the response to my to me singing that song, but there was just as much um, hooping and hollering for the message that the song was delivering, and which is extremely relevant in this day and age right now. So, and as a member of the LGBT community, it was it was very emotional hearing that from the roaring of the crowd. Uh, uh, with that message coming across. Did you expect it? Uh, honestly, no. Not at all. Not at all. Yeah, because I know there's certain songs that, like, when when people hear, they'll start. You know, they'll, they'll hear, you'll, you'll hear the woos. You know, we I expected when the Heathers walked out in the yes. beginning, you expect to hear the woos and, and, and all those things. And But for that one, I didn't, I didn't know if I expected it or not. Yeah, the Heathers has such a cult following that um, you, you ex like you said, you expect it for the Heathers, you expect it for JD, for Veronica, for the boys. Um, but I wasn't expecting it for just Ram's dad's song. Um, but then after I thought about it later on, it was they were responsive to the message. And it, it's, it's refreshing in, in this day and age to see these young people um, uncomfortable enough to express their um, love for this community. I think that way just 15 years ago exactly. would not have been no. the reaction of the audience. Correct. And I think too, and, and when it first happened, I started, I started to swell up a little bit because it was like, 
yes, this is this is what we want people to hear. This is what we want. Like this is the message from the show. Whenever we decide to do it, where it's like, okay, there's a lot of awful shit in the show. Yeah. There's no <laughs> way around it. There's a lot yeah. of terrible things, and it's all in the script, right? It's, it's, it's all there. But but that message too, I think, was was one of the reasons why we did this. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, and it's not a huge message in the show. Um, but it, it, so it's, meaning it's not like the center focus, Correct. but when, whenever that happened, I just remember, so I'm like, Oh my God, like, yes, this is what we want. And then my initial, after you said they were not dirty and they really started, I mean, cause you heard the hoots at the first, like you said, and then they started just going like the audience that is yeah. screaming. And my next thought was, Oh my God, can Jeff hear? Like is, this, <laughs> like, is this gonna throw him off at all? And it didn't. I mean, but did, did you? It was close, but I was listening hard. <laughs> it was, it was, it was just such a beautiful moment in the show, and, and I think my favorite from from both nights was was that moment um, in particular. But uh, um, looking back, both of you throughout the entire process, what was what was that moment? Because because yeah, you didn't audition, Jeff, and, and Jeremy, you auditioned for JD. Um, ended up playing Kurt, um, right? Yeah, yeah. Kurt. Um, when was it in the process where you were like, okay, I made the right choice by accepting this role. I made the right choice by saying, okay, Scott, I'll do this for you. Either whoever wants to go first. I would definitely just say in the process of learning the blocking piece. Like, it wasn't so much the music. It was, yeah, we got to hear each other sing, but we didn't really sing our of people. It was more of, okay, we're doing root numbers and things like that. So having fun with those numbers was what made me realize, like, oh, yeah, I'm in the right role. Like, yes, I wanted to be JD, but I now know I was not meant to be JD, and that's okay. I was meant to be and I was meant to have fun. And Ben and I, who played Ram, you know, we played off of each other. We, you know, Form that jock bro romance. <laughs> romance. Punch it in. <laughs> Punch it in. Um, and I just, I can't imagine being in that serious role that JD is. Mm. Yeah. I think I could have done it. Would I have done it as well as Maddie? Maybe not. Maybe I would have. But I feel like definitely Kurt was who I was meant to be. What about you, Jeff? When was at that point where you were like, okay, I am glad I did this? Honestly, it was um, when they, the rehearsal process for us started with choreography before we listened to music, before we learned music. And, and I was like, I have never done this. This is not what I'm used to. Uh, and also because I'm not a dancer. Um, but uh, then seeing Jordan's choreography coming to life um, in, the, in our rehearsal space, I was like, this is, this is something. This is going to be something. And then we started our music rehearsals and the sound that Lindsay got out of us was just incredible. And then putting it all together, it just, it, it started, I started saying, yeah, this is where I need to be in the, the choreography rehearsals. As I was sitting and watching everybody doing all this incredible choreography that I would never have been able to do because I'm out of breath walking over those steps. Because he's <laughs> um, 51. <laughs> Um, and then, then as each element started stacking up, I, I it just it, it kept hitting me. I am so glad I'm a part of this. 
um, because I, I will um, do any show that Scott asks me to do because I respect him as a director and his visions are amazing. And I'm always, always glad to be a part of any of his productions. And uh, when I was nervous at first, but I, uh, I, I, then everything started going and everything was um, going forward. And I was just amazed. And I knew that this is where I needed to be. So Heather's overall guys, I would say wonderful experience, good experience. I mean, what, what do you, what was it for you? It was an epic experience. Absolutely. I think, and Heather's, if you missed out on the show, uh, your beat. Mm -hmm. um, but it was, it was absolutely incredible standing ovations, um, you know, from hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people that came to see the show each night. Um, you know, what a, what a beautiful show guys. Congratulations to you. Congratulations to the rest of the cast of Heathers. Uh, we had Jen Dickey on last week and Brittany Atwater was on last week. Um, but, uh, um, there is Heathers night out coming up here at the black box studio in September. So if you love what you saw with the Heathers, they're going to be putting on their own show. It's not be Heathers, but their very own show here at the Black Box Studio in September. Check out the website www.actforall.org for tickets to that event and more information. Now we're getting to another topic, guys. And this is going to be a fun topic. So we've all seen the shows, or we've all heard of the shows, and we've seen the big Broadway lights, right? That had all of these expectations of being incredible. So I'm wondering, what shows have you seen, whether it's on Broadway or not, doesn't matter, that you had really high expectations for that hit your expectations? And what shows just missed and just was a disappointment? Based on what you saw from whatever production it was, we'll start with uh, we'll start with John. All right. So the one that absolutely blew me away, best show I ever saw to this day, was not on Broadway. It was a tour that was at West Virginia University, WVU. I was in college way back when, and we drove a couple hours out, went and saw the show. Check. Mm. It instantly became my all-time favorite show, and it's in large part due to the guy who played the lead, Jack. Uh, wish I knew his name. I have no idea what it was. You know, twenty-some years ago. But that guy, when he was on stage, he was two different human beings, and there was no question about who he was. He completely uh, changed the affectation of not only his voice, but his body language, the way he stood, and everything. And when he transformed. It was it was unreal. The set itself was completely minimalist. They had almost no set at all, but that didn't matter. The ensemble, when they would open their mouth and start singing, it just blew you away. So I would say that show didn't just live up to the hype. It blew it out of the water. Left that show really. Now, you'll have the incredible opportunity. I'm going to do another plug here, because why not? Uh, Two-time Tony nominee, Constantine Maroulis, American Idol finalist will be at Authentic Community Theater August 21st, and he was nominated for playing Jekyll Hyde in the Broadway revival. Um, are you excited to meet him? Very much so. I actually I voted for him back when he was on American Idol <laughs> season four. Season four. Yeah. 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 Me too. You know why he got voted off, right? Because he was too good? No. So... Real quick, screw it. Oh, well, I might get in trouble. It doesn't matter. So the, the story was was that him and Paula Abdul were, ha were having relations. Oh. Was the story. 
it's actually it's actually well known story. It's actually a well known story, but that was that was what they had heard because they were very good friends. They met on the set of American Idol. They hit it off. They would go to dinner together and hang out. Um, Constantine to this day still says nothing ever happened. They're, they were and still are just really good friends. But he felt as though that came out the week before the rumor started flying that they were sleeping together. So he was removed from the show, never voted off, was is kind of the rumor around that entire thing. So what you're saying is we're going to ask him and, and talk about this. Here. 100%. Good. 100%. I mean, why not? If you think I'm not going to ask him, you don't know me at all. It's going to be one of the first things I ask him once I say, Hi, I'm Robbie. Did you have sex with Paul? <laughs> <laughs> if the answer is yes, there's going to be a whole bunch of other questions. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But no, um, so Costume Rulis live at Authentic Community Theater. He's going to be teaching a master class. Um, and not only is he a two time Tony nominee, he's also a producer on Broadway. He produced uh, uh, coming from away, come, or come from away. Yeah. Um, so I mean, if there's any any person you want to come out and impress that actually has the power to put you on Broadway, it's it's somebody like Constantine. Um, so make sure you get your tickets online. Uh, me, wow, that was bad. www.actforall.org for the details on that. August 24th class starts at noon. A chance to uh, perform for Constantine. There's also participation slots available. But if not, uh, if the, those spots are gone, we are selling meet and greets as well. Um, so now, anyway, uh, so check one hide for you. So what's the one that I couldn't do? And, and let me throw this out there too. If you ever want to hear the end-all, be-all recording of Jekyll and Hyde's music, look up Jekyll and Hyde Resurrection. They they went back and redid it some years ago. Uh, an old high school friend of mine, Randy Burkhart, ended up being the lead on Broadway for Jekyll and Hyde for a while. And um, she got together with some of the cast and rewrote the music, uh, the original music, and added a bunch of electric guitars and kind of rocked it out a little bit. And it is amazing. Like it, it's one of those phenomenal. So that's Jekyll and Hyde Resurrection. Kind of hard to find these days, but there's some yeah, like you, uh, yeah, well, YouTube videos of some of the songs. <laughs> or it might be Yahoo videos. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's that old. It's still on Yahoo Video. I have that channels. old. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> Are you old enough to remember space. whenever whenever you logged into Yahoo? It was Yahoo. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, oh god. Right. I was around before Yahoo was ever a thing. You were around before computers were around, Jeff. It's true. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. So a show that did not live up to its hype, that's hard to say. You know, there's a show, it's a classic. Everybody seems to love it, except for me. The unpopular opinion in the room is South Pacific is not worth the paper it's written on. I'm sorry. It's not a popular (laughs) show. <laughs> no, and, and I mean, don't don't get me wrong. Uh, um, Some Intent Evening is a beautiful ballad. It's a beautiful ballad. I think I think it's a beautiful ballad. It's the only song in the show I like. But think about the message of that show. It's literally about a woman who is selling her daughter to a guy in the military, and they have sex. The, the guy in the military has sex with an underage girl the first night he meets her. That's that's one of the main plot lines of the entire show. Yep, Bloody Mary. Similar to Miss Saigon, but Miss Saigon works for yes. some reason. I don't condone any of that. That's my PSA. Do not condone any of that. But it works in Miss Saigon. In South Pacific, not so much. I, South Pacific was the first show I ever did. I played Stupot in South Pacific. I played the professor. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I played I played Stupot. It was 
Now, I had fun with it because I was with my friends. I was in high school. It was the first show I ever did. Didn't really give a damn about what I, how good I was or whatever. We just had fun with it. But um, I remember sitting back in ninth grade, like, I didn't ever really read the script. I, I, was, I, was, I was dumb. And I sat back. I was watching our scenes. I wasn't in that scene. I was like, did this bitch just sell her daughter to this dude that she just met because he's a Marine? There are so many things wrong with that. Oh, like, oh like, and, and, and my teacher, my teacher, Kirk Chuck, was like, yes. And I was like, all right, let's move on, and then we'll just keep pretending like this didn't happen. Same with Carol, though. Yeah. Man, horrible. So, uh, so, so South Pacific is your, is your, I hate, and, and, uh, uh, Jekyll and Hyde was, was your, blew you away. If I hear Jekyll and Hyde's coming anywhere, I'm going to see it. That's just all there is to it. Who knows? Maybe it'll think of me theater sometime soon. Uh, Brittany, what about you? Oh, um, so my, my definitely, definitely 155% met expectations was Lion King mm. on Broadway. Um, Still I, on. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you see Lion King on Broadway, sit in the mezzanine. Yes, yes please. I said yeah, that, bro. Was, I was not like a, fifth row uh, on the aisle in the orchestra. Blown away. Oh, and the mezzanine yeah. is gorgeous. So we saw it twice from like both sides of the mezzanine. So the first time you're just like awestruck. Yes. <laughs> like you can't even you can't even comprehend everything that's going on because circle of life is just like amazing. Um but we were in the mezzanine and they have like all of these animals that go out and there are these people that come out into the box seats on the balcony and they're flying these big birds around. And if you're in the mezzanine, the birds are like 20 feet above your head. So they're like right there. Oh, wow. And it was so cool. Um, and seeing like the, uh, just the mechanics of everything. Um, because that one, you're not, you're not so much watching actors themselves because eventually they just fade away and you just see like their costumes moving, the animatronics for like their headpieces that move, just like craziness. Um, Scar's headpiece is incredible. Yeah. He, controls it with, he controls it with his fingers. Yeah. They have they have rings that they put on that he puts on his fingers and it moves it moves the eyes, it moves the head. Like I mean it's uh, it was the first show I ever saw him. It was Lion King. When the, what a star is formed, Mufasa. Oh, yes. They're just yes. up there, and then all, you're... You, like, blink, and it's yeah, there. Yeah, but you, you're you sitting there, and you're seeing this, and it becomes part of the background, so you're not thinking more about it, and then all of a sudden, they just boom. Uh, yeah. <laughs> now, and it was the first time we saw it, it was, it was just, like, amazing. And then the second time we saw it, we actually, my mom and both my sisters were with us, and I kid you not, they were bawling by the end of Circle of Life. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it. it's there was craziness. a five-minute standing ovation at the end of Circle of Life. Absolutely. I mean, it's five minutes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the, and, and to see it at the Minskoff, I mean, mm -hmm. it, it, it's so gorgeous. I've heard the touring shows are just as good. Yes. But to see it at, at, at the Minskoff, uh, I mean, it was, it was incredible. This, that, so, what I've understood, the tours. Oh, yeah. Special effects yeah. because they have to move, whereas the Minskoff is everything is in permanent yeah. place. It's, uh, it's, it's not going anywhere. It's been on Broadway for damn near 30 years, uh, and it's not sells out eight times a week. It's not going anywhere. Um, so, Brittany, that was your favorite. What was the one that didn't live up to the expectations? Ooh, on Broadway or not? I don't know that I really have. I don't know that I really have any that are that are like singularly the worst ones. I think just a big pet peeve of mine is whenever you go to a show and especially shows that are set in different um, locales and people try to do accents. 
So we saw a production of Mary Poppins one time that was local. Um, and it was, it was high school production, but it was kids trying to do British accents and it was pretty awful. Um, but I, I look and think about that stuff as like someone who runs our junior program and I'm like anything that like we're getting ready to do Matilda junior. And, um, it's like traditionally yeah, British. British. I know, but maybe, maybe not if they can't do it. For those of you who don't know, Jeremy is actually going to be directing Matilda Jr., which yes. if you are interested, you have a child in grades one through eight and they're interested in doing a production, make sure that you go to www.actforall.org and sign those kids up. It's going to be a great time. Matilda Jr., such a classic, especially parents that have kids at that age now. I mean, that's that's a movie we all grew up with. It's a fun show, too. It is. If you don't know the music Ron, to it, what is it, is it uh, uh, Rondo? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Google. Huh? Rondo. What did I say? Ronald. 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 That's what I said, Rondo. It's Roald. It's Roald. It's Roald? Yeah. Roald. Son of a bitch. All right. <laughs> oh, look. Robbie just got it. He wrote Willy Wonka. Or Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, James and the Giant Peach. Or just in the box set here. Yes. Yep. But Google Revolting Children, the song, mm -hmm. and listen to it. Yeah, I'm sure there'll be a bunch of weird images come up. But <laughs> Revolting Children, the song, is a showstopper. So, uh, Tim, let's show to you. Show that that lived up to the high expectations you had and the show that completely shit the bed. So as for what uh, lived up to my expectations, it's been three years, um, and the back screen of my phone is still me and Carrie Butler from Beetlejuice. Um, I saw it at the National Theater in D.C. Uh, in 2018, and my brother almost didn't buy the tickets. Uh, I, it was my birthday present. He almost didn't buy the tickets because the reviews were so bad. Like, people hated it. They, they thought it was just terrible. So we sat there like waiting for the show to start and I was just like, oh my god, he spent so much money on these tickets. If this is terrible, he's gonna fucking kill me. And the show started and from the the minute that uh, Sophia and Caruso and Alice Bregman stepped on that stage, it was fantastic from start to finish. Uh, whenever it went to Broadway, they changed pretty much everything about it. Like They completely updated the songs, which was for the best, but that national tour was, or the uh, the preview for it was fantastic. Um, I showed it that did not live up to my expectations. Um, so the first time I ever saw Chicago, oh, it was a bootleg from two thousand one, and it was uh, Charlotte Dubois. Is that how you say her last Dubois. name? So she she was Roxy in that production. It was like two thousand one, two thousand two. Um, I went and saw her in 2019 on Broadway, same role, same, same woman, and she was fantastic, but I, I just had this expectation in my head that it was going to be updated, um, you know, because the movie is such a spectacle, every single frame in the movie is just a beautiful spectacle, um, but, you know, it's been over 20 years and they still do it on Broadway, no sets, no costumes, no props. Um, so the entire, the performers perform in front of the orchestra. The orchestra is on risers behind them and they do the entire show in front of them, 
which for some of the scenes worked really well and it was really cool and it was very intimate. I mean, there was a point, I was in the second row and there was a point where Charlotte literally got down on her hands and knees and just shook everyone in the front two rows' hands. She told me to buy a hat and as I was leaving, they were like, hey, she told you to buy a hat, you get $10 off. I was like, and nice, you know, so we... In, sure, I'll take your $70 hat, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, it was only 20 and I got for 10 you know. <laughs> so, so in that aspect the intimacy was really cool but in the as aspect of like sublock tango being you know six women running in a circle around six chairs mm -hmm. you know it kind of just felt very eh, you know and uh, I saw it with Todrick Hall playing Billy Flynn and he was you know, he's a fantastic performer fantastic vocalist it was just such a a stunt cast role for him to play where it was like I don't know, like, whenever he did All I Care About Is Love, he held out that last note for a full minute. Like, almost. Like, it was, like, it was a while. Like, I went back and watched the videos of him doing it. It was, like, 50-something seconds. And he holds it out. opinion, I think Todrick Hall is not that great. So that's a conversation for another day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we all have a lot of opinions on that one, but... Um, he... You know, he... Um, it was just a it was a it was a very interesting role for him to play. But yeah, I mean I enjoyed it, but it just wasn't it didn't live up to the hype. So what gets me about Beetlejuice, whenever I listen to the soundtrack, you listen to the guy who plays the main character, who plays Beetlejuice. And at one point in the opening number that he does, you know, he was real crafty the whole time. And then he goes and sings like a lounge singer and everything. It's the same kind of like, oh my god, how does he do that? And how does he not have vocal notes? After doing however many shows a week for however long he's doing it, I mean that that's got to be murder. But apparently he says that no, he, he just does it, no big deal. I don't get it. I can get through half a show and be like, hey, sorry. <laughs> Some people are freaks of nature. What can you do, Jeremy? You're up. All right, a uh, show that lived up to everything for me was Mean Girls. On Broadway and. And actually getting to see it with all the visual effects and everything. Um, it was amazing. It was absolutely beautiful. Uh, show that didn't Spider Man turn off the dark. You Did you see it? Oh, you saw yeah. it live? I saw it. Oh my god. That's why it's funny. We talked about it earlier. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's the worst show I ever saw. <laughs> wow. Was there something that stood out why it was the worst? Um, it probably was because of where we were sitting. So. I was on the wings, and you could see into the wings, oh. and I saw all the different Spider-Men. <gasps> oh. Because the, the one scene where the game, like, he's swinging across and doing everything, which was cool. I mean, that was cool, like, watching him, like, you know, all the different Spider-Men. Oh, like, my gosh. How many were there? At least six. Oh, wow. And then seven, including the lead guy. It was just one of those, like, well, this was fun. That just ruined everything for me. Oh, my gosh. Jeff. Um, I was going to say Lion King, and uh, but we got all that out. But I, I, when I think back now, I am a huge Patti LuPone fan. A huge Patti LuPone fan. And, huge. Huge. <laughs> and I had the opportunity to see her do Gypsy. And at the New York City Center before she went to Broadway. And it was a very, very minimal set, similar to what you were describing in Chicago. They had the band on the stage, and everything was in front of them. And um, she was 
everything I was expecting and more. I mean, and more. It was absolutely just a spectacle for Laura Benanti was in it. Um, and the, I can't remember what the guy's name that played uh, Herbie, but they all three ended up, they took the entire, that entire production and moved it to Broadway. And all three of them won Tony's for that show. Um, but Patty was just amazing, and she did a different take on on uh, Rose than what you normally would see. She completely broke down and melted down in Rose's turn, and she didn't care that she wasn't singing pretty. She was screaming. She was, ah! and it, it was. She didn't care because that number is her final. Like I have lost everything. Mm -hmm. I am done. It would end, and you felt and saw all that. And she, everybody thinks that everything coming up, everything's coming up roses is this big, happy, joyous song, and it's not. Um, her daughter that she had pushed and pushed and pushed just left her, and her whole entire vaudeville act was falling apart, and she's completely manic. And seeing the show and seeing Herbie and Louise standing there, like, oh my God, what is my mother doing? Um, and she's, and it, she just, she completely embodied that feeling of mania and manicness uh, the whole time. Uh, and that was amazing. The show that, this is going to be a very unpopular opinion, the show that did not live up to the hype for me was Phantom of the Opera. Mm -hmm. I hated it. I, the music came out and I was like, okay, meh, all right, music of the night, meh, meh. Um, so everybody says, you have to see it, you have to see it, you have to see it. So Came to the Kennedy Center, paid a hundred bucks for a ticket. Um, the chandelier came down, malfunctioned, and just kind of shook a little bit, and then splatted on the stage. Uh, Christine and the Phantom were uh, understudies, and Christine goes to hit that note at the end, and she was flat. And she, you know, as a vocalist, if you can hear yourself going flat, you just stop singing. She did not, and it just kept going flatter and flatter and flatter, and it was awful. And I'm cringing. Um, when the did they get a fan pop? Huh? Did they get a fan pop at the Kennedy Center? No, not the Kennedy Center. Have a little bit of decorum, Robbie. <laughs> <laughs> and then when the candles lift up out of the stage, they all fell over. Oh, um, man. And then the uh, when the boat is on the, and the smoke's supposed to be there, but the smoke didn't work, and you saw the wheels on the boat, and they're just going all over and. Um, and the second act when the Phantom is on Christine's father's grave and he's got that staff with the, the head thing that shoots uh, flames and stuff. He um, came out and he, he shoved it out there and a couple sparks came out. He looked at it. He shook it. He did it again. And then he looked at the audience and shrugged his shoulders and walked off. And I'm like, you are professional. This is a Tory company at the Kennedy Center. I paid hundred I just sat there with my arms crossed and just checked out. I did not pay attention to the rest of that show. And to this day, I hate Phantom of the Opera. Hate it. You make a great Phantom, though. I can't sing that anymore. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, think, I think for me, uh, the show that really lived up to the hype, and I think I gave it more hype than anybody else, but School of Rock. Mm. Um, that, that we saw at the, was it the, the winter, um, the winter garden. Yeah, the winter garden in, in New York. The show was, was phenomenal and, and it was really important for, um, at Authentic Community Theater. We, we used to take bus trips, um, through a year 
to New York, and we would take the junior kids to see the shows. Um, and when we went to school, see School of Rock, uh, what, Jeremy? The bus company that we used to take to do that is no longer in business. We have, we have a plan. And then, look, I just got excited. We have a plan. Why not doing this? We're yeah. working on it. We're working on it. We're working on it. But anyway, so it was important for us because I was like, you know, we're taking these kids. It's where we're really selling it to, to the kids to go to the show. I want to see them. I want them to see kids do it on stage. And it was it was incredible. The, the kids were phenomenal that were in that show. Um, we didn't see it with Alex Brightman, unfortunately. Um, but the show overall was was incredible. Um, the show that didn't do it for me, with the exception of uh, the ensemble and one lead character, um, was Aladdin. Really? Yeah. Aladdin. The ensemble was great. They were phenomenal. Major Attaway, who played the genie, mm-hmm. incredible. Telly Long, man. Garbage. I wasn't. I was not impressed with anything he did. Uh, the young lady who played Jasmine was not impressed at all. Um, none of the none of Aladdin's friends was I was I impressed with. Like it just. It, it, I was. It was almost like seeing a community production, with the exception. The ensemble blew everybody away. Like Arabian Nights was stunning. Came out with a bang, and it was great. And then from there, it just went downhill. And I just. I just remember sitting back on. I wonder when the genie's getting back on stage. When's Major getting here? Because this is getting ridiculous. Like it was just, it was. He was like the saving grace of that entire show. He was. I remember because that was one of the first bus trips that we did. It was like the second one I took that we did with everybody. But yeah. Yeah, it was. uh, I mean, Major was great. Major has been an act. Um, He's in Dortz Authentic Community Theater. He wants to come back and do shows with us. Um, You know, he's he's great. And he was incredible in that show. And him and I had a long talk about how how bad that show was. And of course, Telly is Mr. Broadway. I mean, everybody loves him. He's the sweetest guy on earth and all that. I just don't like the bitchy tenor. The, the one that I can show you the like stop it. Like knock it off. I don't want to hear that shit. Leave me like go somewhere else with that. That's not impressive to me. Like you, you know exactly what I'm saying though, right? Like just that like like you're not even really a tenor. You're just like yeah. anyway. Um now the the last thing and, and we gotta wrap up here, but the last thing that I want to talk about before before we exit is we all have a an appreciation, I think, here anyway, for the people that do backstage work. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think we all do. What do you think is the hardest job backstage to do? Behind the scenes, the hardest job, what is it? Tim? Come back to me. All right, Tim. <laughs> Building sets. Oh. If you're doing an elaborate set, like okay, Beauty and the Beast, right? Uh, the, the, it was on the mirror on the theater stage. You had... Uh, a second level to it that people had to stand on. And for me, if I'm building a set, that thought's in the back of my head is, wow, if I mess this up, somebody's going to die. <laughs> That's not cool. You know, <laughs> props. Okay. Like, yeah, I was in a show once where uh, I have my book. I was supposed to go out on stage. It was an old fashioned book and the show ends and everything. I didn't have the book. I was late getting out there for whatever reason, so I grabbed the stage manager's electric blue binder for a show that took place in the 1940s. <laughs> did it suck? Yeah, it did. Did anybody die? Nope. But, you know, you mess up on building some of those sets, and yeah. they're, they're dangerous. Jeremy? Um, seeing I have to run the projections for <laughs> Frozen... 
Um, that I'm going to go with that's the hardest because getting it to a line up perfectly with the music because two of the scenes actually go along with the mm-hmm. track. Um, that's going to be a challenge. So I'm going to say running the projection. Right. So I know I'm a costumer, but <laughs> I actually think, um, I think probably like, I guess sound and lighting, just like the, the general stuff that you think of as tech is probably the hardest initially because they have to, I know that there's a lot of software now that you can just like hit cue this, cue that, whatever. You really have yeah, to be but the on science. top of everything because if somebody skips the line and your cues early, like that's what Jeremy's saying with like the projections, I think, because there are some songs in Frozen that if you don't start the song and the projection exactly at the same time, they're animated and nothing lines up correctly. Well, and, so. and the science behind how to design lights yeah. is, I mean, it, it can really make or break a show. If your lighting's right uh, and it gives the right mood, that's what's setting your mood. Between that, um, and if you're doing a musical, music, of course. But I mean, the science behind doing lights and and, and sound sound mixing and, and sound engineering—it's not easy. It's definitely difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, Jeff, I would say stage managing, um, simply because you have to. The director is done. And they're now running the show from backstage. And, you know, there was an instance last night where a microphone went out and Heather's and the stage manager had to come and get somebody's attention on stage to get that person off, to get the mic changed. They have to deal with the multiple personalities. They have to give calls. They have to, if there's a disaster that happens, they're the ones that have to in charge of fixing it. Um, there's, you know, it's, they're dealing with a multitude of personalities and a multitude of, of, um, uh, anything could happen. And because that, if it's something happens on stage, the stage manager's in charge of making sure it fixes and everything. So that would be what I would choose. Tim, are you ready? Yeah. Um, I think. I, I'm going to say this one's the hardest just because it's the only one I probably would never do, and that's sound tech. Because I just, there's nothing more like nerve wracking to me than imagining what it would be like, uh, I don't know, in, like in 2018, whenever we were doing Greece, and um, they go to play, uh, we go together, and it just didn't come on. It just the song track just didn't start playing, so we're all just looking around, and now all of the actors are doing a minute long improv bit waiting for this song to start, you know, or like just yeah, having a fit backstage. Yeah. Listen, think think about what is still with tech. When I did a run of Greece uh, after summer nights, the light person decided to just turn all the lights off. Oh my god! So Danny and Sandy never met, and we're sitting there going. Okay, like all the lights are on. All right, good. Move on to the next scene. So we go to start moving the set, and then she turned the lights back on, and we're sitting there like little cockroaches, and we stopped and we're like, and just stood there in silence, and then they turn the lights back off. So we had to sit there and go around and try to, how are we, how are we standing, Danny? You know what I mean? Like, this has completely screwed everything up. But anyway, go ahead. But yeah, sound tech, I mean, working with the music and the microphones, I just, it gives me way too much anxiety. I couldn't imagine. Mm. Yeah, I, I was forced to do sound for Elf Junior when we did it, um, and was berated because <laughs> I'm not a sound tech, and I said I wasn't a sound tech, and got yelled at because the sound wasn't good. <laughs> exactly. Um, That's why I would never do it. <laughs> but 
But no, uh, yes, her. Yes, Brittany. Yes, her and her partner it in was, the jury program not did nothing but make fun of me for <laughs> years. Still make fun of me after I was like, I'm not a sound guy. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'll try if you need somebody. And they got made fun of because it wasn't good. But the work, I, I think the, the, the hardest job, honestly, is costuming. Like, because you have, let, let's be real, all actors have a diva side. We all do. No. Yeah, we all do. And it, some some people don't know how to just say thank you. This is fine. They want to uh, change their costume. They don't like their costume. Um, it they doesn't eat in their costume. Whatever it is, whatever it is, though. I mean, that's that's to me that's an awful job because I'd be like, shut the hell up, and you're done. And now because you bitched about it, I'm going to give you the worst costume I can possibly find. Yeah, listen, I know a we, did that. Yeah. <laughs> we have the junior kids last week, and bless their hearts, they're kids, so they don't know any better. But I'm like getting everyone in these costumes for this two week intensive for Frozen, and. I put one little girl in this, like, townsperson costume, which is, like, pretty nondescript. It's just, like, a cute little dress. And she comes out, and she looks at me, and she goes, <sighs> and I was like, yeah, right? And she was like, yeah. <laughs> what's wrong? Nothing. And I was like, no, really. I just, I mean, I, I want to know what's wrong. And she was like, well, it's just not my favorite. <laughs> You're seven. Stop it. <laughs> so, I mean, there's obviously every job that whether it's on stage, off stage, is extremely difficult. It takes a lot of skill. And we here at Authentic Community Theater have a, a very good respect for anybody who works backstage um, and, and puts in the hard work and dedication to do, um, to, to make these shows happen. Because it doesn't move without them. It really doesn't. And we all understand that. Um, but, guys, that's going to wrap us up for today. I want to say thank you to our guest, Jeremy Tremell. Brittany Soto, and of course, Jeff Kleiss, who has joined us um, here at the end of the episode. Thank you guys so much for coming. Really appreciate it. You're welcome anytime. Um, thank you all so much. And Jeff, we'll be seeing you back for Sweeney Todd when we, when we start promoting that a little bit. Sure. Jeff, <laughs> <laughs> Jeff will be starring in Sweeney Todd. But make sure in the meantime, go to www.actforall.org. We have so much going on. Glass Menagerie is going up at the end of August. August what, Tim? August 27th, 28th, and 29th. Make sure you check that out. Again, uh, that's at the, that's the first uh, big show at the uh, the Black Box Studio here in Hagerstown. A few of my favorite things starring Brittany Atwater is this Saturday, the 14th. Make sure you come see her in concert. Sweeney Todd tickets on sale right now starring Jeff Kleiss. August, or excuse me, October 22nd and 23rd. Tickets on sale at MD, uh, excuse me, MarylandTheater.com. Uh, and then, of course, we have Rent One Night Only, which uh, Jeff and Jeremy will both be involved with. And it will actually be Britney's first time on stage with Act. Jeremy's going to fill in uh, um, and replace our Mark. And uh, um, we have Jeff, who is going to be uh, our new Benny. We're very excited to work with you guys with that. And a special announcement coming up soon, very soon. Trust me, you don't want to miss it. Casino Night here at the Black Box Studio, November 6th. And of course, make sure you tune in weekly to the Act Black Box Podcast. We are very excited for myself, for John, for Tim. Thank you all for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Peace out, everybody.